By the end of this podcast, you're going to find out whether City's transfer window is going to lead to future issues next season and whether Man United's recent activity and decision-making will put them on course for a new era of success. Welcome to The Knobcast, a podcast giving City and United fans their weekly fix of football analysis and debate with a focus on banter rather than bias. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about Manchester United's new era question mark, the situation with the captaincy change. Is Ten Hag a ruthless manager and is that a good thing or a bad thing? We'll discuss that with Gasky in particular, my Manchester United fan co-host. And then Manchester City, Walker and Mahrez are potentially leaving Uh, We'll be discussing some possible replacements. And then finally, I just want to have a conversation about reactive versus proactive transfer windows. Is there a benefit to one or the other? Is City's transfer window reactive? Is that an issue or does it not actually matter that much? Should we just allow City to do what what we know they can do? As always, I'm joined by my Manchester United co-host, Gasky. Hello, mate. Hello. How you doing? How are you? How are you? I'm I'm doing great because I'm here great? sat with you. Oh, cute, aren't you? Are you, are you great because you're here sat with me? Always, always. Okay. This is, I. you know, Mondays are always a bit of a difficult day for people, you know, mm. and yeah, I get to come home to this. <laughs> That's so cute. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> I'd say what wasn't cute though, Gasky, the, the, the ruthless manner in which Ten Hag uh, took uh, Harry Maguire's captaincy away from him and this coupled with the situation with uh, Ronaldo where even before the interview he was you know sort of being left out in the cold um and David De Gea as well you know like a transfer being on the table he signs and that being taken away so uh, from your perspective Gasky as a United fan first of all you know do, do you like this sort of ruthless outlook do you think it's a bit harsh and do you think it's it, does it does it represent a new era for Man United? Will there be future problems with this ruthless manner? What what do you think? I think it's been needed for the last ten years. They've needed to put someone to put the foot down. You know, they've, they've tried different managers, different ways of playing football, but they were signing players or building a team for a manager, not for the, the club. And I feel like they've got a, they're building a squad now. Uh, they're signing young players to start with. They're not signing these oh, ready to go or past it 30-odd-year-olds. They're signing young players with with future who to play 10 halves way. But also, if it was to go wrong, you've still got a young squad to deal with. Um, the way he's been, the way he has treated certain players and the way that he's tried to do is he's doing his job. He's getting the team winning, getting the team playing a way of football. He's not interested if these players have been here before him. He's interested in what they can do now. You know, the only one I feel for a bit is De Gea because I think he deserves a, deserves a proper send-off. But his inconsistency is probably why the whole contract situation was weird. And that's, you know, he, you know, he probably half of the season when Tenag said like he's happy with De Gea, he probably was happy with De Gea. But he was just dreadful at the end. So you have to look at, we need a new keeper. Yeah. And <clears throat> same with Ronaldo, you know, doesn't work for him. Doesn't work in his what he wants to do. He wants to, you know, he wants a young striker playing off the last man type thing so it doesn't really work with him yeah and then Maguire yeah and then Maguire doesn't work in that way either because you need a high line you can't play a high line and a ball playing centre backs pretty much and that's what he lacks so and he's happy to bench him which is which is what what I want to say I don't want to see like oh just because you're Manchester United captain you play no yeah if you're crap um, you don't play simple as that yeah I want to talk about the Harry Maguire situation 
just after we cover the De Gea Onana situation, because we've talked on, on this podcast a lot about how you know De Gea clearly ain't it for the future, etc. And you're absolutely right. Like it's it's time to go now, not only in general, but also when you've got Onana available, if you could, and yeah. he's, he's there for, to be purchased, that it's literally going to be transformative for Manchester United. So it's literally um, not only a new era in terms of like the ruthless outlook on players, but also a new new era in terms of like play style as well. Yeah, it's, you could tell like that's the modern way of playing football and it has been for the last, but pretty much ever since Edison tried to say, that was the first Premier League goalkeeper who plays with his feet, pretty much. And, you know, and how many years has Edison been at City now? Since 2017. 2017? Yeah, six years, United, six years behind in terms of that. And they're finally going to play that way now. Yeah. You know, and signing Onana, who's arguably top 10 goalies in the world, probably in the last couple of years. So it's, you know, brilliant to have a signing ready, ready to go goalkeeper, which is great. Just need a striker now, I would say, but for the starting lineup to actually have a starting lineup, you know, and have each position filled with quality, which is not had for a long time. There's always been a one or two positions where you think, oh, that's a target. Whereas now you, you kind of struggle to think, right, okay, where, where can we target? So, that, so that, I'm excited for that. And it's a, a young team, but now it's about structuring the club again, you know, the ownership thing, I don't even want to talk about that because that needs to sort itself out now. Mm. But we get to a point where you're going to have to sell players, at, not losses, but not as much as you should get because of the state the club's in. Like a lot of people I've seen on seen on Twitter, a lot of people moaning about Dean Henderson only going for 20 million, but City are getting that for Trafford because of the state the club's in. You know, they need money to buy players, so they're going to have to sell at less than players are probably worth because that's the, the state it's in, you know? So, like, you know, they're potentially going to be getting some Japanese keeper as well as the backup for 5 million, you know? So selling Henderson for 20 million and selling Fred for 20 million could fund a backup midfielder because I think they're interested in maybe getting Amrabat as backup for Casemiro. It'd be perfect. But, you know, if United were in a good state, if if Henderson played for City, you'd probably get, they'd probably get 35, 40 million for him mm. because of the way the club is. And he's not like, we won't miss you, but United need the money. So... We're going to have to deal with this for a couple of years, then hopefully new owners, and then we'll be back in a position where they can get rid of players for decent money. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before, I, I do want to move on to the question mark ruthlessness about the Maguire captaincy situation. Yep. Just before we do, one, one final thing on De Gea. Do you care about the whole, there was a contract there, De Gea signed it, and then the club hold out do you, do you buy in because I know lots of people online have said you know that, that's really scummy behaviour do you buy into that at all or do you think all's fair well, in love and business it, yeah to, to me it's a I think it's a media thing that because when the well, question is when was the contract written up that's the first question because he was fine for the first half of the season if they if they were writing the contract up in no because he's free to talk to clubs from January so you'd think they'd have the contract ready before January so he probably signed it and then Ten Hag's probably thought, okay, well, we'll give it some time. It's ready to go. I'll sign it. You know, I'll try to see where we're getting to and then it'll be signed. But then his form dropped, you know, and Ten Hag has to think about what's best for the team, not him. So he's, he's probably right. I think it's right for him to wait and see. He's probably, if he's not made his mind up yet. He's probably thought, right, let's just give it a bit longer before I make my mind up. Because at the end of the day, the contract agreements between him and the club of how much he wants to get paid at the end of the day. So if Ten Hag thinks I'm not 100% sure yet and then he's decided, no, actually, I want a new keeper, off you pop. Yeah, okay, is it a nice way of doing it? No. But for a player who's been there so long, 
I think you kind of have to play be, be careful, especially with the way the team's going. What you don't want to happen is buy all of the positions, keep De Gea, he's had a pay cut, brilliant, he's saving us money, and then he'd still be shit. Yeah. You know? The rest of the... Then the, the, the sh- I think it was even from the first game, though. I think there's a clip from the Brighton game just kicking it out of play. Oh, yeah. In the first 15 minutes. And then I probably realised then, I don't give him a new contract yet, but I'm not sure about this. Yeah. So... Definitely. Yeah, that's your issue. Yeah. yeah. And, and you even saw like at the start of the season, Ten Hag tried to play his style of football and then he realized really quickly, ah, that this guy in goal yeah. can't do it. This isn't um, this isn't gonna work. Yeah. And you saw as the seasons went on, like the number of direct balls from the keeper just like increase and increase because that he didn't want to risk playing it out from the back as much. So it was like, oh, you know, yeah. just, just feel free to punt it if you want to, David, because we know you can't do that. Well, the frustrating part was you had Martinez and Luke Shaw, who are both under pressure, a brilliant at dealing with high press. You haven't got the keeper to start it. Yeah, exactly. So that's the issue. Yeah. yeah so, you, so Anana Martinez Shaw does make a very good triumvirate there. Um, yeah, and this and having Onana probably will have to have some runnings with me because there'll be a lot of heartburn. I think watching him in goal. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and I think maybe one for a future podcast. But and I, I don't, I'm not convinced. We, we've talked about this before, actually. You know that Varane, as good of a defender as he is, he's not really the best in terms of building out from. The back yeah, we'll talk about, but he'll he'll be he'll be the next position to to change. I think. Yeah, to gain. Well, to be fair, they were look, he was looking at another centre back, so that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, and then in, speak. Sorry, so, sorry, go on. What were you going to say? I'm just saying, I'm just saying Kim and Jay was trying to get another centre-back. So clearly yeah. that's on the cards as well to happen at some point. So Yeah, that probably would have been like a per- almost perfect, wouldn't it? Like yeah. Kim next to Martinez and Luke Shaw. And exactly, Anana. but this is the problem. They're going to miss out on transfers because there's so many positions that kind of need to be sorted first, which is your striker, your goalkeeper, a midfield. Then you can start of upgrade. You can start to upgrade your 11 then rather than for actually put players in it. Yeah. And... They've potentially, speaking of upgrades, upgraded their captain, maybe. I'm assuming Bruno Fernandes is going to be given yeah, the captain's arm. I would hand. be shocked if it's not Bruno. Yeah. So Ten Hag, you know, has had a conversation with Maguire, clearly. Like Maguire did a heartfelt tweet, you know, saying how he's, you know, disappointed to not have the armband anymore. And then there were other reports about, you know, Maguire being upset and, you know, angry about losing it. You, you don't know what to believe, whatever. Um, yeah. Again, this this is definitely the right decision, isn't it, Gasky? Because it, I mean, he shouldn't have been the captain in the first place. Yeah, uh, he's clearly not good enough to be Manchester United captain. That that much was evident. Even in his first season, when he was all right, it wasn't clearly what wasn't good enough to be captain long term. And he's not even fourth choice centre back. He's like fifth choice behind you know Varane, yeah. Martinez, Lindelof, and even Luke Shaw at left yeah. centre back. So. What are your thoughts on on this? And like, are you happy with how this has gone? Do you think it's, it? Do you think it actually should have happened sooner? Uh, do you think Maguire's got any reason to be upset? And what are your thoughts on like Maguire generally? I, to be fair, I, I think this whole captain situation has been he's dealt with it perfectly because there's no point in going doing it mid season because if you did mid season, okay, Bruno, you have the armband. Maguire, you're not captain anymore. It just cause some rest, and, won't it? And then a centre back gets injured. What happens then? Oh, Maguire, you're going to have to play now. And it's like you've already been a dick to me or whatever, then you don't yeah. know what his reaction is going to be. You don't know what his going to be, do you? Yeah. So, and, and let's be, let's be fair, right? Anybody with a brain cell would realize I'm not playing. I'm not captain next season. He probably realized halfway for the season. I'm not going to be captain. He probably thought, maybe essentially thought about leaving. You don't know. So yeah, I think he's dealt with perfectly. You know, he's dealt with, he's dealt with quietly. It's not been like, Oh, 
Maguire's going to lose the armband, you know, in the media. It's just happened, which is brilliant, which I want to see. You know, and it'll go to, and there's another thing he said, like, it, the captain will be announced when they speak to the players. It'll be Bruno. Yes. And you see clips, Bruno's always talking to players, always picking them up and stuff and trying to get the, you know, go and, go and clap the crowd, telling the players and yeah. stuff. He's always talking Bru- to refs as well. See. <clears throat> oh, that as well. That's that's the bad thing about him. But I don't even like that about Bruno. <laughs> no, so. I, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, so like, that's what you want to see. You want to see that type of captain, whereas you barely see Maguire talk. No. So. He strikes I mean, me he, as a very sheepish person on the pitch it, it, do, yeah. it, it does seem like you know it, it's a bit of a cliche you know oh you know the United shirt's too heavy for him the, the armband's too heavy for him I do think this is one of those instances where he, he was he's just not got the right character or confidence no, no exactly whereas like I, these, I think half of the defenders Everton had last season would be better as a captain for Man United than Mario Maguire so that's how sure you need to yeah absolutely uh, and just final thing on Maguire before we move on to the conversation about Manchester City. Um, do you have any opinion on, because Maguire's a very, I don't even know if he's a controversial figure, but if all United fans, like lots of fans hate him, lots of fans don't hate him, but acknowledge he's not good enough. I think you fall into the latter category. You don't actively hate the man, you know. No. It's not his fault he gets picked, like, you know. Exactly. But the, this whole thing of, you know, like Maguire's, Again, you've got to believe reports for the sake of argument. Maguire really wants to stay at United, fight for his place like he was linked to West Ham. He's got no interest in leaving. And he really, as I say, wants to prove himself, fight for his place. That's been met with a lot of anger by a certain section of United fans who seemingly are just like, you know, get rid of him. Surely it's unfair to have a go at a player for wanting to stay and prove themselves and rather than, you know, just trying to throw in the towel. Do, do, you, do you agree there or, or what, what are your thoughts yeah, on that? It's it's not right to, yeah, just to completely be like, what the hell, why do you want to stay? But I kind of look at it from his mentality kind of thing. You're not going to play. You can't play this style. It doesn't suit your game. You know, if you play for other teams, you'd probably be fine. You know, I think West Ham are interested in getting him. He'd probably be good at West Ham. You know, he doesn't suit Ten Hag's way of playing football. He just doesn't. It just does not work for him. And you're, like you said, your fifth choice centre back now at United, right? You want to go to World Cups, you know. You want to play. In, you want to play. You should want to play. But to me, if players, if he's the type of player, he's happy to sit as fifth choice at United. Then you just got that mentality of I'm earning a lot of money. That's fine for me. Now, now that's the interesting thing. Is does he have the mentality of I'm going to be here fifth choice as Man United or? Do you give any credence to the idea of he genuinely thinks he can become a better player and he genuinely thinks he can compete for that first or second spot? That's the million dollar question. I couldn't tell. I mean, based on like the things that have happened in his personal life and I think we said in a couple of podcasts ago about him having maybe potentially got a massive ego, I wouldn't surprise me he wants to. He's like, oh, he probably thinks, you know, he's probably like, oh, I'm playing for Man United, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Why would I want to leave? But it's like, but would you rather sit on the bench? Because you're no way near starting. It's not even like he's on the verge of it. Whereas Lindelof, for example, is on the verge of an injury going straight in. You know? And he, he, I don't understand why Lindelof wouldn't want to leave. But Maguire is no way near. Mm. You'd have to go completely wrong in defence for him to start in the Premier League games. So I, I, I don't know why you'd want to stay. I just can't understand why you'd want to. If, if, if a potential, Especially when United need money and stuff and you'd get a decent amount for him, you'd get 30 million plus. You'd, you'd, you'd think you'd, you'd cash in. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, and he wants to start. 
yeah, I, I wonder, obviously we're not privy to this. I wonder what the conversations between him and Ten Hag are like, has there been a conversation in terms of like, you know, th- this is how I see you or don't see you in terms of my future plans for the team yeah. and whether he's just gone, all right, well, I'll just stay anyway. Or also, also put it this way. I'm taking the armband off. Yeah. That's another sign you ain't playing. Oh yeah. So, you know, there's enough there for him to go like, look, you're not going to start. You know, teams, and then if West Ham is this bid that West Ham have put in, apparently, apparently they've rejected a lot. They want him on loan, <laughs> so it's like you know, probably because of his wages. His wages are so high, but it's like no, you the United need money anyway, so they're probably going to try and sell him. Yeah. So yeah. In fairness, you know, based on you know, bar some miraculous turnaround, West Ham is probably his level. That sort of like mid mid table ish. Uh, yeah, sort I'd of say quality. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that type of position. Upper, upper mid table, would you say? Yeah, I'd say yeah. Like maybe uh, you see, you couldn't even play for Brighton with the way they play. No, it's a good point. That's kind of position, but you can't play for Brighton. No, maybe like nine. Not even Villa. Not even Villa. <laughs> like the two, it's too fast for him. Like West Ham would be because they don't play that kind of like ex, you know like no offense to West Ham, but like exciting. It's not as exciting as other teams play, sure. and it would probably suit him. It's more you know physical. Whereas like teams like, yeah, maybe maybe Brentford or West Ham, I would say. Yeah. That Wolves. type of, you know, yeah, like quite quite physical teams. Yeah. Whereas nothing a bit like flamboyant teams, he doesn't really suit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Maybe Tottenham. Tottenham are not a flamboyant team, really, well, when you watch them play the last well, few years. They were linked with him uh, yeah. a month or so ago. And when that yeah. happened, I was like, what? Because I was like, you know, I, I don't care like about cost. Like Laporte is right there. He would be perfect for Spurs. Yeah go, yeah. go throw money at him. Go convince him of the project if he doesn't want to join. Just be like, you know, we'll build the team around you, whatever, in defence, and yeah. you'll be our star. Go get Laporte and spend all the money on him. But it's like going yeah. after Harry Maguire. Wait, you pick Laporte. Any team will pick Laporte over Maguire. But I'd say, you say, be potentially like Tottenham. It could kind of work for him because it's not flamboyant, you know, tactical football, really. It's quite physical. Well, it so, was, but with this new manager, was. I think it's it like, will it be. Change. It might change. Yeah, it might change with the new manager. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about this new manager really, no, other than what people tell me. And people tell me he's tactically interesting and progressive. That's but, but that's yeah. what I'm told. I don't actually know. So, so that's so, so just rounding up this United section, then Gasky. So, is this a new era in terms of success? Can you now see that you know the blueprint is there? Uh, yes, but I, I say it based on. I say just based on signings. The signing young players who want to play for the team, you know, you're seeing the players hugging fans again. You know, you're seeing them just buzzing. The players are buzzing to play for United and they want to join. Do you know, like, Onana's, Onana's happy to leave Inter, not going and earn loads of money coming to play for United instead, to play for United and under Ten Hag. I, I'm, I'm happy to see that again. Yeah. So he's going, going, definitely going in the right direction. Still a long way to go based on the mess that has been the last 10 years. But it looks like we've actually got, there's an identity coming back. Yes, which is exactly what you need. You need a club yeah. identity for sure. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, I think the Onana transfer is going to be transformative. And I don't think it's going to work brilliantly immediately. I think that Onana's... Would it, would it? Keeper, a keeper is a huge position to change. It's, yeah. the, it's probably the key position bar striker that can affect how a team goes. Yeah. And United are potentially putting both in at once. So it's... it could Yeah, there'll be mistakes. He'll, he'll mess up. And it'll happen, but I think long term it will, you know, yeah, steady the ship. Definitely, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as you know disastrous as Bravo's first season at City. 
Oh, yeah. uh, I just, I just don't see it seeing, seeing, just don't see it being the same level as you know Allison's first at Liverpool or Edison's first oh, at City. Yeah, no, I think we're in between, be. but then he could get reach that level. It won't sure. be because Onana isn't as reliable saving wise as they are. I don't think. Sure. No, I, I so. agree. Definitely, but time will tell. Time yeah, will tell. It will. It will. And speaking of time, Gasky, our City running out of time. You're proud of that, aren't you? That was, that was, that was, <laughs> just, that was a riff. That, was, that wasn't even planned. That was, just came off my brain. Uh, yes, uh, Manchester City. Um, their transfer window, or lack thereof, has been worrying for a certain section of, of the fan base. In fairness, I think it is more the online reactive uh, fan base. Um, if you ask me my honest opinion, like I do you know, fundamentally trust the board and Pep, and I'm sure we'll get it right in the end. But that doesn't... It doesn't really stop me from being a little bit concerned that we are, you know, we've already lost Gundogan. And if you believe the reports, um, Kyle Walker is on his way to Bayern Munich, potentially. Riyad Mahrez this morning, I believe, was allegedly the subject of a £30 million bid from a Saudi club. Uh, I, I forget their name. Um, who, you know, and the, the word from uh, City is that, you know, we will be accepting that. Um, so it's a question of, uh, Gasky, do you think, you know, City just won the treble, obviously. Is it a bad thing to replace a big section of this squad all at once? So Gundogan, let's assume these players are leaving or have left Gundogan, Walker, Mares, maybe Laporte. Won't include Bernardo because that's a different question. Is it an issue if all of those players leave at once or is it irrelevant as long as Pep gets in suitable replacements because he's Pep and he can work magic? It's risky. It's very risky. But it's clear that City see 32 plus year olds as ready to replace or ready to accept to take the money for. But it kind of makes sense because he obviously thinks if I can get... For if I can get like 100 million off or 80 million or so for Mares and Walker, then that's a good amount for two 32 year olds, or however old they are, to bring in replacements. He's already started doing the whole stones inverted stuff, like that kind of thing. And it gives him plenty of money to be able to, you know, put younger players in. And potentially it's the right time to do it when you're at the top because, you know, other teams are kind of struggling. You know, doing it then might work. But like you said, all at once is crazy. That's a whole right side changed. Mm. So it is a risk is a risky game. But if anyone could do it, Pat Gun, let's be fair. Yeah, definitely. I look I can see both sides of it for sure. You know, I mean obviously there's gonna be a sentimental aspect of I don't want these players to leave because I, I like them and I've watched them for you know like years and years. So I do have an attachment to them. So it's very sad to see them go for no matter if the replacement's better than them or not, you know, th- th- there's always gonna be that aspect. I just wonder whether it's a lot of change all at once. Um, and not only is it a lot of change in general, it's also a lot of experience leaving the club. You mentioned the age profile. If Walker and Mara's also leave, in addition to Gundogan, it'll mean that De Bruyne is the, you know, unless you're including like Scott Carson, who doesn't play games. <laughs> in terms of the first team squad, De Bruyne is going to be the only player above the age of 30 which is a, a, a dual-edged sword in a way, in that, you know, it means that you've got a very youthful, in relative terms, you know, a team who are energetic and up for it and, you know, want to prove themselves, blah, 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 blah. But then at the same, and full of energy, but then at the same time, conversely, 
uh, that those intangibles in respect of experience and lead and leadership as well in the dressing room, like Gundogan and Mares, well, Gundogan literally was our captain. Uh, Walker uh, uh, was um, like a fourth or fifth on the on the captain's list as well. So these are leaders. They're also going in addition to experience. So that my so that, that would be my only potential. I'm not saying it's going to be absolutely detrimental, but there is there is a little bit in my brain which is a little bit concerned that so much of this experience um, is leaving. And, and we saw with age, you know, it, it's great to have a young squad, but we saw it with Arsenal last season that, you know, they, they kept getting bigged up as, you know, one of the youngest sides in the league. And that's absolutely fine. But when crunch came to crunch, I think that lack of leadership and experience showed and they, and yeah. they bottled it. I'm not saying we're going to be Arsenal next season, but, you know, do, do you see what I mean, Gasky? Yeah, yeah, there's that, there's that concern that if you've got a player that just goes wrong for, it's, you know, you haven't got the players to big them or the player to big himself up. Like, if you look at look at Arsenal, you know, I think we mentioned it, Zinchenko, you know, got done by Trent and he ended up in tears. That isn't what you need, you know? Like, you need, like, oh, crap, I made a mistake, right, I need to be ready for the next game. You know, that could be, like, the, you know, the youth or the young side of it, you know, the bad side. Like you said, Having you know energetic players ready for the future, you know you have the same team for the next five years type thing. But yeah, it's but yeah, very hit or miss what could happen. But maybe cashing is the right thing to do. Maybe but it depends. I guess it depends on the replacements and what if they can hit the ground running straight away. Yeah, I'm obviously not against these players being replaced because you've got to move on at some point. It's mm. just a question mark of it, it's a lot of change all at once, and, and you know uh, yeah. it's. And it might, it might not even be due to one pitch because, you know, towards the end of the season, especially Walker and Mahrez weren't, you know, guaranteed starters. Gundogan was, obviously, was incredibly important late game, uh, you know, late on in the season. So, you know, it's not like we're losing De Bruyne and uh, Edison and Rodri, you know, for example. Like we're, we're losing, not fringe players, but, you know, players who aren't necessarily guaranteed first teamers outside well, they, they of Gundogan. They weren't playing 90 minutes every week. Exactly, yeah. So I, I do appreciate there is that side of things, how they weren't integral on the pitch. But as I say, I'm thinking more off-pitch, intangibles, yeah. in the dressing room leadership. You know, it, look, we've still got fantastic leaders. Guardiola's a leader. Diaz, Rodri, De Bruyne, um, et cetera, Stones, et cetera, et cetera. Haaland probably as well. But... You know, so I'm not. I'm not saying we're going to be really bad or or not have enough leaders, but there's all there is that little thing in the back of my head. Yeah. If it if something somehow goes wrong, who's going to help steady the ship? Basically, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I like to have lots of captains and leaders in the team. Yeah. And I think you know, the likes of um, Gavardiol, he could become that, but not right now. He's only 21. So yeah, yeah. So it's it's a dual it's a, a dual edged sword, as I say. I don't quite know how to feel about it, and. In terms of like the potential like for like transfers, Walker leaving as soon as it was announced that Walker was potentially going to buy and we were linked with Pavard. Now I don't know how true that is. I don't know if that came from Bayern's camp or or his actual interest. Um I was very upset about it initially. <laughs> I, every every time I've seen Pavard play, I've not really been moved. I, I would say I haven't seen him enough to even say anything. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just so, thinking. I'm just thinking like this season, like last season in the Champions League, for example, just seems well, to be yeah. a bit of a, a liability in terms of his decision making on occasion. Um, but you know, I, I understand why we would want him. He's a centre back who can play it right back. That's literally what what City do nowadays. Probably fits a, fits a style more than Carl Walker. Um, and it's just it's just a it's just a right wing situation. We've talked about it so much on the podcast. I just don't know there, who there could many. come in. 
outside of moving Foden to the right, which I do not want to do because I want him to be a central player. If Maros leaves, I actually don't know who the options are. Um, but I would like to think the club would know. Um, exactly. But, but I do not know. Um, and then just on that, Gasker, just the last section of this podcast I want to chat about is the whole appealing to authority fallacy, it's called. Now, this is where, let's say we're having an argument, you and I, and I don't know, let's say we're having an argument about cheesecake, right? Oh, I love cheesecake. Yeah, right. Let's say you say your favorite, what is your favorite flavor of cheesecake? I would say just classic New York style. New York style. Okay, so so, yeah. let, so let's say I say, well, you go, oh, you, you, you're just in, you just innocently say my favorite style is New York uh, style cheesecake. Yes. And I yes. go, Gasky, you're an idiot. It's clearly Nutella cheesecake. And you'll be like, oh, calm down, whatever. And well, then we, it's my opinion. And, and then we have a discussion. And then the way I try to win, win in inverted commas, that argument, is yeah. I go, well, the president of the Cheesecake Society says that Nutella the, the cheesecake... The cheesecake said Nutella was the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so have that. that now, that's, yeah. that's called the appeal to authority fallacy. That's, yeah. that's where you just appeal to a higher power rather than actually tackle the points. Um, basically the idea is that the person with more knowledge or whatever is always going to be right no matter the circumstance so for example uh you can't argue with uh a mathematician with maths because they're a mathematician even if they say one plus one is three yeah. because they might just be being stupid for some reason now that in a long-winded way what i'm trying that the, my point here is that I can understand the, the the section of the city fan base who will all who totally back Pep and the board, and, and that that is me. You know, I won't do it no matter what. Like you know, if something bad happens, I'll, I'll voice it. Um, but there is a. I, I found that I think there is. It's not just city fans. I think there is a section who basically say you can never question the manager. You can never question the board because they know what they're doing and you don't know what you're doing. They've just, for example, they've just won the treble. So whatever they say goes essentially. And you shouldn't even really begin to question it yeah. or, or be skeptical about it. Now, I personally think that's bollocks yes. because Pep is obviously much more intelligent than me, just generally. And also in respect of like football and coaching, like whatever, I don't claim to be anywhere near his level clearly uh, on any level, but this man is not perfect and he makes mistakes. So, for example, it was an objective mistake to not play a defensive midfielder in the Champions League final in 2021. That's an extreme example. But do you see the point I'm making, Gasky, that a manager isn't always right and a board isn't always right. And I don't like yeah. the argument of you can never question that because they know more than you and they've just won the Premier League it's, or whatever. So you can't question it. Exactly. That. It's not right that because... It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's your, as a fan, you're giving across your, like you, like you said, your worries or your opinions of what you think. End of the day, they're not going to, Pep's not going to go on Twitter and go, oh, these fans don't think this is right. I'm not going to do that. You know, he's not going to do anything like that. You know, he, you're just expressing your opinion with other fans. It's what annoys me when like United will play well and then they'll have a bad, I think last season's example, right? They had that massive run when they were brilliant over Christmas and then they lost to Villa 3-1 and everyone were out with the pitchforks at the players. And he's like, what are you doing? It says we're just going on a massive run out of nowhere after a bad couple of years and we'll lose a game and it should be like, oh, didn't turn up this week. On to the next week. Not get the pitchforks out. Because you see with City, like City will have, they weren't great in the first half of the season, but the fans didn't have pitchforks out. You know, they were back in the team. Right thing to do. And if you think, oh, selling Walker's bad, it's not a, 
It's not a, you know, oh, you're, you just, all you say is, I'm not sure about that. Give your opinion. Then, then I'm going, no, you're wrong. Pep knows what he's doing. You know, they've won the treble. Like you said, it's stupid. So it's just, you know, nothing's, nothing's perfect. But if potentially a bid comes in of 55 million for Kyle Walker, the board go, that's a good amount for a 32 year old. Should hmm. we? And then if Pep goes, do you know what? I could probably get a replacement with that. Go okay, do it. Makes sense. It might, it might work. It might not. But yeah. there's only one way to find out, isn't it? Yeah. So, so you therefore agree that you should be allowed to be skeptical and not just take yeah, everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's being, it's being skeptical. And then there's being an absolute nuisance, which is like, Oh yeah. You know, there, there's a big difference. Like for example, like, you know, Oh, a certain player leaving a team and then going for God's sake, you know, we're just, just screwed now. This is disastrous. Like, this is the end yeah, of the world. It's like, it's like no. It says you, you know, you got, you got to just have that. You can have that bit of doubt in your mind. Yeah, definitely. And that that doubt for me has has come in this transfer window. I, I look, it's not over yet, obviously. And I'm not like it, it goes from one extreme to the other. I think I, I think I am in the middle here. Like there's people who are like back them no matter what happens, which which I think is f- flawed because they're not, they're like, not perfect. You'd, you'd always, in a way though, you'd always back them. So you always go. So like you say, though, you know, Walker's leaving. First of all, you'd be like, no, you know, he's a really key player. He's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then, but in your head, you'd be thinking, okay, from Pep's point of view, I can understand why. Because that, that's that's the attitude you have when you've got a good manager. If you wasn't, yeah. if you were struggling with manager, you'd be like, for God's sake, you wouldn't have that thought. So it's good to know that, you know, you, you've got the mind for both sides. Yeah. And one side, as I say, you've got people who are always back no matter what, even if it's clearly a mistake sort of thing. So they can't even think maybe I should think about something else. And then you've got the people who are like, this is the worst thing in the world. And it's like, the truth is somewhere in the middle where. Yeah. These are the same, these are the same people that either give five stars or one star on things. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it may, you know, maybe obviously they know more than you, but at the same time you can sort of like question the thought process and think, because again, these people aren't just because these people are more experienced than us. Doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that sometimes, for example, Pep is yeah. wrong and the the sta- a standard fan on the street is right. You know, these yeah. people aren't perfect. Obviously, Pep's going to be right than you more, most of the time, but it's not got, every and time. And you have to remember as well, like the board are going to be looking at the structure of the club and they're going to be like, right, where will we be in five years? You know, getting 50 million for a 32-year-old is more beneficial for the club in the long term than letting his contract run out and then potentially not having a replacement and then potentially saving money on his contract, getting it on a free and buying a 60 million pound fullback. They're going to look at it from a financial aspect, like every club does. Yeah, and then the absolute, the absolute final thing I want to say on, on before we r- wrap this up, it's a question of reactive versus proactive transfer windows. Now, the way City sort of conducting their business is, they're not outside of like a, a Gvardiol, they're not actively seeking any signings unless players leave. So, for example, they won't be signed. Like, let's let's assume that City are really interested in Pavard. They're not. They won't sign Pavard unless Walker leaves. You know, they won't same sign. With, same with Kovacic, wasn't it? They won't. You sign- wouldn't know Kovacic was going to sign if Gundogan stayed. And to be fair, I think that's slightly different. I think Kovacic was just depth. I think the Gun- I think the Gundogan one was Declan Rice. City weren't interested right, okay. in Rice until Gundogan left. You know, they didn't. Right. They didn't think about submitting a bid until Gundogan yeah. left. And it's the same thing with like reports this morning. You know, when when Mares linked to a Saudi um, city are now actively, you know, going to get a replacement for Mars. So it's reactive in the sense of we're not trying to, we're not 
actively going out and getting a player and like saying to a player, right, we're going to sell you, which are sort of reacting in a way that if that player goes, we'll then try to get them. Which is sort of proactive in a way because it means that you've already thought about it and you're not scrambling around trying to think of replacements. Yeah. Um, is that is that a bad way to conduct a transfer window or does it not matter or because they've probably demonstrated that they've got targets already? So actually, am I talking bollocks? It's not reactive at well, all. It's actually it, proactive. I think, yeah, I think it's situational based on... the. Re- I think the reason City are where they are is because of the proactive transfers they've done in the past. For example, Rodri being there before Fernandinho left, for example. And, yes. Alv- and Alvarez coming in with... Alongside Paul, for Holland. example, yeah. make ready, you know, because you because you potentially think Keyes is going. Uh, that's the reason why City are this far ahead, basically. Because imagine if Rodri didn't join until Fernandinho left. Yeah, it could have been a completely different story. But like you say, now it depends what's happening behind the scenes. Because you would think that by now City know Maris is going. Yeah, you know, and Walker's going. They would like we we obviously going off what the media is saying, but you would think. Walker's already packed his bags and you think Maris has already packed his bags. And we're only getting the news that this bid's coming in. So you would think that they're being proactive. They already know what's, go- what's going to happen. Because I, I think as fans who only see media, we're how far behind do you think we are compared well, to the actual club? Well, yeah, exactly. exactly. A week or maybe two weeks? You never, you never know how far behind we are. So that's, that's the real question there. But I think being proactive is the important part. And the evidence is, the evidence of that would be, if Mahrez was to go, how long until City make a signing? Yeah. Because if nothing happens within a week, I would say it was all last minute. And it's through the reaction to it, which is which is bad, I would say. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to think, I mean, there must be, surely, like these people are incredibly intelligent. There must be like, yeah. they must have known, right, the likes of Walker, Bernardo, Laporte, Gundogan, Mahrez, etc. Yeah. are all liable to leave. Just in case they leave, we need a, a list and contacts just to make sure. So I guess that that is proactive in a way because you're planning. It's sort of reactive in that you're not acting up on that unless something else happens. Yeah. So it's all in between, I guess. Yeah, it's. I think it's the speed of what would happen if something does happen. So I think the best option would be for them to stay, obviously. I think Mahrez and Walker staying would be the best solution. But it's if one was to go, how long until the signing comes in is the question of, are they reacting to them leaving or are they already aware of it's happening? Yeah. And I think that maybe the only one where the club will have to be absolutely reactive with is Bernardo Silva because I don't even know if he knows entirely what he wants. He like, yeah, he hasn't made his mind up, has he? Yeah, like if he was absolutely desperate to leave, he would have forced a move by yeah, now, surely. Yeah, he would have, I think he would have left because, what, what is he, 27? 28, I think. 28. 28, he's ready to go whoever signs him. And... You know, he's not like, you know, like Maris is like 32, quite a, you know, quite a certain type of player specific. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I think you'd, you'd have to react to players like that because they're, they're your key players. So, yeah. And I don't, as I said, I don't even know if he wants to, whether he fully knows whether he wants to go or not. So therefore the club won't fully know. Like, I think like this week they're trying to have, you know, conversations with him to try to hopefully explain how important he is to us, and he is, yeah. because I can't think of any player. You have to sign two players to replace Bernardo, basically. Um, yeah, there, isn't many, there isn't many players in the world who are versatile like that. Exactly. Who, I can't you, know, f- you, could, you, could literally, you could literally have an injury in four different positions and you could put him in. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think there's <laughs> I, don't one, anyone else. I don't think there is one who is also left-footed and can play in all those positions to that standard and yeah. also put in the effort and the attitude that he has on the pitch. Um, 
as I say, to his standards. It's just not a thing. So got to keep him, in my opinion. That that that, that would be bigger than signing any midfielder, keeping Bernardo Silva. The players like Mares would love him to stay, but you can more easily replace his profile. Uh, Walkie can't really replace his profile nowadays, but maybe that's not the way to go anyway. Well, you well I, I feel like any player who's the best in their position, you cannot replace. Yeah. It's just, you've just got to suffer. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, I say, I say that, that's when Aguero left, but <laughs> clearly no, <laughs> we're wrong. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's once in a blue moon thing though, because it's like, it's like, did you say like blue moon? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> That's once in, once in a million yeah. of happening because it's like, it was, would have been like Messi joining United before he was, became the big hit, I think, at uh, Barcelona, wasn't yeah. it? So. No, for sure. Totally agree. Right, guys. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this installment of The Knobcast. Make sure you are following the podcast. You, you can all stay updated uh, if you haven't already done so. Really hope you enjoyed uh, the podcast and coming out later in the week will be our top five community Premier League right backs of all time. That will be released on Thursday. So stay tuned for that, where we get you guys to support us on the Patreon and, and our loyal listeners to uh, submit your yeah, top five. And potentially, potentially some controversy in there. You won't believe who's mm. at number three. Or was it number four? It was number four. Number four. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, guys, as I say, really hope you have enjoyed uh, the podcast. We've been loving your support recently. It's been fantastic. Uh, and and the uh, that number of downloads is just going up and up. And it's, yeah, re- it's really encouraging to see. Yeah, really good. But until next time, I've been Nobbins. I've been Gasky. And we'll see you a lovely, cheeky little boys and girls next time.